Welcome to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast, where we dive into your inner world to explore all of the psychological, emotional, energetic, and spiritual components that may be influencing your struggle with food and eating. I'm your host, Sarah Emily Spears, a trained psychotherapist and energy worker who recovered from my own eating disorder. And now I help women just like you do the inner work to address the real issues keeping you stuck in your problematic eating patterns. Because I assure you, your problem with food is about way more than food. So join me and guest experts as we discuss the psychology of eating and healing and empower you with tangible steps you can take today to begin to improve your relationship with food and yourself from a place of true nourishment and care. Hey guys, today I have such a special guest. You are in for a real treat. My guest today is Christy Marsh. She is my Reiki master teacher and dear friend and sister. She has been a huge mentor for me on my journey, and she has really helped me reshape my own mindset and relationship regarding how I approach food and how I approach eating and how I approach the healing journey in general. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about Christy before we dive in so you really understand who she is and what she's about. Christy Marsh is a clinical nutritionist, holistic health practitioner, and a Reiki master. She's dedicated to treating the whole person using a bio-individual approach that helps her to assess the unique needs of each individual. She's highly trained and educated to offer a whole regimen of food and herbs, energy work, body reading, and lifestyle fitness solutions that work. Christy brings a positive spirit and lighthearted approach to the work she does, combining practical Western modalities and a holistic attitude to whole body healing. Christy was trained in San Diego and had a practice in La Jolla for nearly 10 years before returning to her native Midwest, where she now resides. She lectures nationally on the benefits of healing within. With no further ado, listen to our episode today. Enjoy. Hi, Christy. Hi, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm filling up with the gratitude in my heart this morning. I was giddy. Anyway, to talk to you all the time, but it was like, <laughs> yay! <laughs> we get to talk about all of our favorite things. We talk and we get to play and we get to smile and laugh. These are my favorite moments. Yeah, me too. So for for those of you listening, Christy Marsh is my Reiki master teacher. She's a dear mentor and sister and friend, and so I'm so honored to have you here because you have taught me so much, and I'm just so excited for our listeners because. She is a wealth of wisdom and just like a pure being of love. And that really comes through even when you're just talking how big your heart is. And so I'm so grateful that we get to have this conversation. Me too. And so grateful for what you're doing. I mean, mm. I'm such incredible light, which I always knew from first meeting you. But just to see uh, the wings and all the radiance that you are just in the world. It's been really powerful to me. Mm, thank you so much. So I would love for you to start by just sharing a little bit of what Reiki is from your perspective, because I know people have, have their own beliefs and can have some misperceptions around what Reiki is or energy healing is. So how would you describe what Reiki is? 
All right. So Reiki, uh, I'm just going to let this kind of flow through from my heart because it's always so hard to answer. And yet it's the easiest and simplest thing because it's energy that just runs through you abundantly innately. So there's no practitioner or person outside of you that's going to give you something more than what you have. You're born with it. It is universal life energy. That's the simplest answer. Reiki is reminding you of what you already are. And so even though it's a Japanese word that can sound weird and, you know, like out there, perhaps it's really just means Reiki broken down is light force. You know, it's universal life force. That's what those two ideograms that come together in Japanese mean. And so really what a teacher is doing through a lineage, which is beautiful because I think there's such sacredness in lineage, is that it's the wisdoms passed down anciently from something we've always known. So to me, I like anything sacred. I've always grown up with um, sacred practices, whether it was Native American or just learning from the earth um, or hippie things, because I liked those type of things. It made sense to me. So I was automatically just drawn to that. But what I loved about receiving Reiki is it reminded me of who I am. That's all it was. It wasn't adding anything to me. And that's why I think there's a misnomer there is that somebody is going to give you something or force something or manipulate. And that's so far from the truth. And I think if we're pulled to it, we innately know that. It, Reiki just has a way of pulling you in a sense gently where you have a co-pull. You know, it's this like, yeah, I'm ready for something like that to kind of remind myself how I can heal myself. I mean, that's really it. And so the body knows what to do in nanoseconds with just presence, right? And so if a practitioner is holding safe space, as we say, then the person receiving healing knows exactly what to do in that safe space. So Reiki is just that. It's kind of reminding you of the light that is already you, the radiance that's you. And then there, there are symbols that are in there that remind you of that light, that activate the life force that you are. But there's no teacher or practitioner turning anything on that you don't have. We're just reminding you how to turn that on. So that's like the very long story medium, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And from my experience, which I'm sure is similar to yours, it's like when I met you, I felt that pull and that call and that curiosity. And then it's through experiencing it that you really get to decide for yourself if this is a modality that really works and resonates with you. And I felt so just so good to your point. It's like that opening up of like, oh yeah, I feel connected to myself. I feel connected to source. I feel this lightness and expansiveness and that feels really good. And so I want to continue to come into alignment with this feeling as much as I can. And so for me, Reiki was an obvious path that was part of my journey. And I'm curious for you how Reiki became part of your journey and how that journey unfolded to you becoming the Reiki master teacher and practitioner that you are. Oh yeah. What a journey, <laughs> a really good one, you know, and like all good journeys, they sometimes have the ups and downs and excitement, but yeah. So I started my journey in San Diego and there's the school of healing arts, literally a the street for me staring at me all day long which is where I ended up getting trained in all things holistic and um started in 2003 
they couldn't get enough. It was one of those where my body was breaking down. I was having strong adrenal fatigue. My right kidney wasn't working very well, oddly. It was like 21, 22. And I just couldn't understand why my own body, even though I was eating healthy, doing all the right things, wasn't functioning well. Turned into panic attacks. There was actually a lady who I've yet to meet named Carol beautiful shout out to her who called me on the telephone line, like actual landline, not cell phone back in the day. And was like, Hey, you were on my roster for Reiki. Somehow you ended up on here. Are you Christy Marsh? And I was like, yes. And in that moment I was having a panic attack and she was like, I'd love for you to just lay down on the couch and I'm going to send it to you a long distance. And I'm like, what? You can send healing long distance. <laughs> you know? And sure enough, she did. And it was the first time that my panic went from level 11 out of 10 down to like a five or four, which for me was life-changing. And so my shakes were going down. I was like, oh, I can breathe again. I don't feel like I'm dying. Immediately called her back. (laughs) And she offered it for free, by the way. She wasn't even trying to plug anything. So she was just generously giving it to me, which blew my mind. And immediately I was like, how do I get more of that thing, whatever that thing was? And thankfully it was across the street at the school. And so I dove right in. I called to every cell in my body. Um, Within six months, all symptoms were gone of anxiety. And I plugged back in and decided to do every course, you know, I could. Nutrition was in there. Herbs were in there. Like I was hungry for something. And I was so alive because I knew I had hit my life mission, what I was here for, my life path, you just just feel it. And then I got my Reiki master in 2006, did not want to teach. I was very clear about that. I was an introvert. It was scary enough for me to even go to school at that time. Being in a classroom was hard for me. I was very much like kept to myself. And that was part of the panic that would occur as I'd get very anxious. And so the last thing, if you were to tell me you're going to teach or do even do these podcasts, I'd be like, you're crazy. And sure enough, we did, we got to go to Big Bear, California, up on the Eye of God, which is Crystal Quartz. And my teacher um, brought us up there, did the beautiful ceremony. There's a ceremony for the final attunement. And uh, I felt it go through my being. So it was so humbling for me that I wasn't shaking from anxiety. I was shaking from such deep gratitude that I could feel in my bones. I recognized the privilege of being able to respond to the call. And like, not to make it cliche, like I got the call. It was, when I got the set, I got the, like my entire senses were opened and just like movie style, a hawk flew over, you know, and then there was an eagle because we were up in Big Bear and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I knew I was going to teach. It was wild. So that was 2006 and here we are <laughs> somehow in 2000, you know, what, 23, I barely know time anymore. And I can't imagine not being this, you know, it's not even for me doing, I don't do any of it. I'm being, I'm walking around as an open current, you know, if you will, to receive what is already abundant in us. And to me, as I live that, I know that's the invitation for others to understand that's there. And that's been my most incredible honor is to know we can live that. It's not a job. It's not like you have to sit down and do this. Even this for me is magic. It's not like, oh, I have a podcast today. It's like, oh, I get to be alive today. And in this, you spread all of that uh, magic, all that, all that goodness, you know, and that's enough. That's healing right there. So it's, yeah, that's how I landed here. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so grateful you did because- Had you not answered that call, 
I would not have met you or have had you as a teacher on my journey. So thank you. You know, you've really helped me realize that it's, it's not an out there thing. It's an inside thing. And you constantly empower us to continue to remember that. So, you know, for everyone listening, you're not broken. It's within you. Maybe you're remembering and you might find guides and teachers on your journey to support you in that remembrance, but you aren't ever looking for something outside of you to fix you. Yes, that's right. And I really had to learn that too, by the way, as I was teaching and learning. And so I say that to students too. I don't know if you ever master. It's not about mastering any of this. You're you're here on earth to master it. So even though we use the term Reiki master, you know, you know this from experiencing it, being a Reiki master now, it begins after, you know, you're diving into the initiations of like, I guess I'm a Reiki master now, you know, then it really, the work is there and present. You're constantly, it's a day-to-day discovery of the mastery itself. Yeah. It feels like a, I'm, mastering how to be a human, (laughs) which sounds kind of silly to say, but it's like when I received the master training, I realized, oh, a master is someone who never stops learning. Like the moment you think you know everything, you are not. You are are not learning anymore. You're not a master. You're not walking the, the truth. The mastery of it initiates you for your responsibility to keep learning and mastering it. So it's like the initiation part of that is like, guess what? You know nothing. Your ego thinks you know something. So you're going to get checked, you know, and as you know, we do. And so it's like, oh, I just realized I know nothing. Thank you. And every day I work with clients, I say that. I'm like, well, I'm going to learn something from you today because here we go. (laughs) I don't know what's going to come in and it's exciting because it's not about me. Which is also so nice to liberate yourself from having to know everything. Because I know for myself and so many people I work with, right, we struggle with perfectionism and this fear of failure or getting found out or imposter syndrome. And especially for women I work with who struggle with any form of disordered eating, there's so much shame and secrecy around it because we try so hard. This was me. You know, you put on this facade of like having it all together and having it all figured out. And so to be liberated from needing to pretend and perform in that manner (laughs) because we realize that that that's impossible and not even the masters are there. It gives you so much freedom to like be a hot mess. (laughs) It does. And actually the secret sauce is sometimes in the hot mess, you know, and, and it allows your um, students to also feel that and it allows the people you're working with to never feel that we're above or we know all the answers. So it really is diving into the vulnerability. Uh, very different than the old paradigm of I know more and I can't show you any of my flaws. You know, you better believe with this sort of sort of work, you're really diving into the deep work, like the dark, the richness is in the dirt, you know, and we have to, we can't take anyone to places we haven't been. So it's not about that surface. I looks good. It's like, hey, I'm diving in with you. We're, yeah. we're going in deep here, and you know, from that wound comes the bloom. You know, the flower. So yeah. you, no mud, no lotus. Okay. You got to get in there, and I can't tell them to go if I'm not doing it. <laughs> so, so it is. A, it's tricky because they people do want to automatically make you guru teacher above, and so one of our fastest um, lessons is like actually show them how human you are, how you have fallacy that you are real here, you know, and it's dispelling some of that stuff, and it can be tough. Believe me, I know I've kind of 
oscillated. I'm also a recovering perfectionist, as you know, so that people pleaser and like wanting a facade myself and thinking it was this, all of that's been broken down for me in these years of mastery. And I thank it. It reminds me why I'm doing this. It checks the ego, you know, and I'm still here. And I think that's the secret there is like, you have to be so committed to something beyond how you're perceived. You have to be so deeply committed to planetary truth and wisdom that's ancient beyond how it's looked at and and how people might see you. And that's a tough one. It's not, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. And yet it's all about the heart. Oh, yep. God. Yeah. Can, what, can you speak more to that? What specifically do you mean when you say it's all about the heart? Well, it's coming, it's dropping down from the mind, the monkey mind of this knowledge we have that we think our worth is in the knowledge. It, and I get it. Some of it is. We do need the mind to make this body work and, and it all goes together. But when you think you are the mind, you forget about the importance of body and the vehicle that's here to make this mission alignment that, I mean, it is your vehicle, your temple. And we mostly forget the heart space. And actually most of your wisdom is here. And I really hope with my son, I hope that we can start instilling that wisdom when he's little, you know, in kindergarten, that sort of thing, you're taught out of your emotions, typically, like, don't cry. Really, it is your heart space, your emotions. That's what I felt in that master attunement. My heart exploded. And I found all the ways I was containing it. I was closing it. And that's what caused the anxiety. It wasn't from everything out here. It was me constricting and making up stories of how I had to be perfect and uh, control everything and all my emotions and push everyone away. And it was really the converse that did it. It was when I expanded the heart chakra to its natural capacity, which by the way is massive. Then I, I recognized what I was here for. And here's a little secret for everybody. We're all here for that. We're we're actually all here for heart expansion and to awaken um, ourselves and each other to that heart in whichever way you want to do that. Yes. Yeah. And I've experienced that as well, that like when my heart is fully open and expansive, there is no better feeling in the world. And when it's constricted and closed, there's no greater discomfort, internal discomfort. And I love that you're really sharing that that is what we all signed up to to come to earth to figure out and experience. No one came here down to earth to get the perfect body or to learn how to eat perfectly or to achieve X, Y, or Z. Like those are not, those are the the goals and desires of the ego or the mind, but that's not the true purpose of our souls and beings. I came to learn learning you mess up and it's okay but when you have that lock-in feeling of un i'm unworthy because i messed up well then there's no movement like there you know this so you lock into shame shame is the biggest prison there is and we have so many of those stories feeding that like well you messed up here so who are you to save the planet or like open your heart or love anybody or even receive love Yeah. And then we get stuck in that shame. Like as you were speaking, I could feel the constriction of, I remember that feeling of being stuck. And in my mind, the solution to get out of that is to be better, work harder, achieve perfection. Then you'll get out of the shame. Then you have a reason to feel worthy, but that's not how it works. That actually keeps you like deeper in the dirt and, and a lot more, it's like turns into cement, you know, you're really stuck in it. You are, you entrain with it. 
right? So it's like this planet's about like attracts like. So if yeah. you face a vibrational shame, you just keep attracting that shame. It doesn't mean you're attracting other people with shame, although that can happen, but just like you know it. So it's an easy record to continue to keep playing. And the shame one is the hardest. It keeps just dig deeper graves with the shame. It's like, well, we're going to go even deeper. And we're going to go even deeper. And it's like, why do I feel like shit? <laughs> well, yeah, we loop. We keep doing the behaviors, like for me, binging or purging, right? That I then feel so much shame afterwards for doing it. And yet I continue to do it. So then there's more shame that I can't stop or I don't have the willpower to not do it. So from your experience, like what seems to be some of the remedies to help start to get lift above the shame? And just to give you some, just some understanding of where frequency sometimes lives in the body. And I say sometimes because it can be different for different people. Shame typically lives in the body below the belly button. So mm -hmm. it's all the second chakra, the sacral chakra, no surprise. It's around the gonad area, right? Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> So it is also around the descending colon area and ascending colon where we let go. So if we don't have, if we're locked into that story of shame, we close down our sexuality, we close down creativity because creativity lives on the other side of shame in that area. We literally create life in that area. So if you are in a space of shame, you're not creating anything and you also don't feel alive. Right. And so just showing you where it lives in the body and why we get so dense and so tight and why people do lean toward eating disorders and that sort of thing, because disordered thinking then shrinks the body even further. And then, like you said, shame loop continues, 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 and you don't feel you're worth anything. I mean, that's really what shame kind of tells you. Right. So breathing into the set right below the belly button, even placing your hand there just brings awareness. Like we say in Reiki, it allows a flashlight to be on that area so that your body knows exactly where to signal it. So your hand is the most perfect hand to heal you. And you're just breathing in the awareness of shame could be there. And then you breathe out. You can use a color of orange because it's very vibrant for that space. It, it's aligned to that chakra. And you'll actually can see if you're a visual person where it's like a murky orange, if it feels really tight. And so you start imagining a brighter orange over time. What I use is the converse of shame is creativity, right? So we can't just jump to creativity overnight. That doesn't work. We actually have to know that we don't want to get rid of shame because shame is an actual human emotion that is here. We transmute it. It's like taking poison and trans muting it to medicine for you. So it's changing the form of it. Right. Yeah. So the frequency of shame is pretty crazy low, right? Which is just mean not a lot of light force. You don't feel very good. It's very fearful. So creativity is pretty high. So what we do is we breathe into the fact that there could be shame there. Most people have it. Breathe out that orange color. And then you can start saying, I can transmute my shame into creativity. I transmute my shame. This shame is actually a better way to put it. So you don't own that shame lives in you. But I, you know, I use use my shame to create creativity. And like a lot of people, you're doing that. You have used your shame, the shame, created medicine for people in a very creative, beautiful way. And it's healing you. Like you're literally, this is the perfect example is you. <laughs> the secret with shame is the secrets, right? That's, that's the secret of shame is the secrets is like, that's what shame is covering. But actually those secrets are, is the most creative juice you have. It is the most medicinal 
powerful thing. Women are so powerful. Men are powerful too in that area, but women in particular, that's that womb, right? Where we, we hold life for nine months, right? And then it comes out, it blooms. And so that's the, that's the hot spot right there are all those secrets, right? All the stuff we deem so shameful is medicine from somebody else. If you're struggling with food and eating issues and you want insight as to why, then I highly recommend you download and take the Empowered Eating Blueprint Quiz that I've created to help you identify which of the five bodies of health, that's physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and soul bodies, may be at play for you and that you would benefit from addressing on your healing journey. The first step to change is self-awareness, and this quiz is designed to give you that. Click the link in the show notes to access the quiz now. As you're speaking, I'm realizing you're absolutely right that part of that was liberating the shame by sharing my story. And because there was for five years, I didn't tell a single soul. So nobody knew what I was struggling with because of that secrecy. And it did. I mean, that shame grew huge. It was such a heavy weight and force keeping me stuck in self-loathing and not feeling good enough. And the more I speak about it, the more liberating it is. But it's also hopefully inviting others to step forward as well and you know join my community or seek help or speak to loved ones so that they can start to liberate themselves from that as well and guess what we all have shame there's not one person that doesn't it's kind of exciting but as the buddhists say your second arrow is your demise like your first arrow is that we have all the emotions we leave it like you said we all signed up for the full ride here on earth you know and so yeah you have these emotions you have theory of shame you guilt have all of them but the second arrow is what you feel bad for having it right right ashamed that I'm ashamed, you know, and it's that second shame loop that closes you down. Yeah. And I remember what's coming up as you're speaking is my experience of like using food to stuff down the shame and all this discomfort that I could feel. The The imagery for me was it felt like there was black tar that was caked on my insides of all of this repressed, like pushed down energy. And I realized that the purging was actually my subconscious effort to get it out of me. I didn't realize at the time why I kept reverting to that behavior, but because I wasn't looking at and addressing the actual emotional energy and wounds and pains that I was avoiding and ignoring, I was defaulting to these really unhealthy mechanisms to try and actually heal myself and make myself feel better, which ironically was the thing that was creating more shame. It's just such a funny cycle and loop. That's such an empowering thing to say instead of thinking of it as another bad thing is that, of course, that was your body's way because it will find a way no matter what to heal you. And so instead of creating more shame on I'm purging because of this, it's such a beautiful way to look at that. And I think quite true. And then you can take at least that arrow out, you know, to allow yourself to get to the root of the root of like, oh, what is actually under there? And you can't look at that if you're just shame, 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 like I'll talk shame. Absolutely. And my introduction to Reiki and our classes really helped me open my heart to compassion, self-compassion, and to start to like connect to that love of self again, which was really helpful in starting to dissolve a lot of the shame that I had created. And and so another thing that I think, and I, I'm not sure how much you knew this, but just 
how helpful you were on my recovery journey, not just for Reiki, but how you, I think, model a really beautiful mindset and relationship with food. You were one of the first beings who, from my perspective, was just in love with food and eating and like got so much pleasure from it. And I remember thinking like, oh my, like this can't be real. You don't actually, are you really like enjoying it that much? Like you eat that many desserts, like you're okay about this? Because in my mind, it's like if I ate anything with sugar, I was enforcing the shame and beating myself up about it and telling myself I needed to do better or have more willpower. And you were giving me sort of the 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 example of how it could be and and how good it could feel. And so I would love to hear sort of your maybe personal philosophy or mindset around like food. <laughs> yeah, I really take that in and I appreciate those words so much because that is what I really like to teach and you know as all things we teach we have to go there first and I I had to discover the converse of that myself when I was younger I my way was counting counting fat grams in high school I was a a dancer and so I didn't stand throwing up that wasn't going to happen and then eating no eating didn't work for me either because I had hypoglycemia like my my blood sugar would go low so I just feel like I'd pass out my old way was that like that's how I could control it was my perfectionism like I can count every it wasn't even calorie interestingly it was background weird so I learned how I unlearned that in nutrition school I went to do four years of nutrition more on the holistic side of things which really taught me about mind-body connection and then I went on to geek out about herbs because I discovered they were friends with you and they could have a language with you and they tasted good, like basil and rosemary. And so then I learned that every food element that you're eating has a story, it has a history, it's sacred. And like you said, I love anything sacred and ritualistic. So I no longer started seeing, I changed the lens from it's this thing I have to do to have energy to like, this is a party. And I'm inviting whomever I want in here. And this is like a co-dance that we're having. And it gets really exciting, you know? And then when I learned, I got the privilege to learn in France and in Italy for two weeks in each place. And I learned from really incredible, no, no teachers. They were just French people that took me into their house and Italians. And they taught me the most incredible things about digestion. And as we, we kind of see them as pompous or like, you know, the French for sure, like they only get their food this way, but it was essential. You know, she this girl lady in France was telling me, you know, you always eat bitters after your meal because it'll help you to digest all the fat that you have. But mostly you make love to your food. I mean, I'll never forget that in Italy. I was like, okay, now you've got my attention. I'm all into that. And again, speaking back to the sacral area and shame, that's also that sensuality opens that sacral, which of course we've been told to shut down, but that releases shame as well. So as soon as I started dancing with food, and I mean, literally like just talking with it, having conversations with everything I was going to eat, there was a sacredness there. I didn't necessarily pray over it, but I was like having conversations. We were, we were becoming friends. And I noticed it was a vibrational And people can say all day long, that's so woo-woo, but it's not. It works for me, (laughs) you know, and it works if you get out of the mind. It works in the frequency of understanding it is a dance. And in that dance, you can see if you need a little bit of that ointment, you need a little bit of that food, or you need a lot sometimes. And as you know, hormonally, sometimes you need a lot more. 
and a carbohydrate is going to call to you a pasta, you know, and seasonally, I started learning how to eat seasonally as well from the Italians. They're like, yeah, you would never eat a tomato outside of season, you know? And I was like, really? So I just started to learn that all this stuff made sense and it's colorful and it's beautiful and it tells a story and it's sacred. So it was no longer just this like mental box of like eat to be thin or not. It wasn't that. It was I stepped out of all of that, you know, arena and I got into a larger field of um, like bliss, joy, playfulness, which is the highest vibration you can have on earth. It is literally supersedes gratitude, which I find so fascinating. As we know, gratitude is like the highest frequency for manifestation in anything, but actually playfulness is a little notch above. If you think about it, playfulness will get you to gratitude in a hot second. So anytime you're truly in the playfulness mode, your gratitude is off the charts. So it makes sense that they go together, right? So then it was like, it seemed like a no brainer, but then I knew I had to kind of like peel it down to teach that part because we're so indoctrinated, like anything we're indoctrinated that it can't be that way. It's not that simple, you know, but if you start talking intuitively to your food, it actually does talk to you. (laughs) You can feel too when something is stark and has no energy, when it's pretty, um, I want to say bland, that's not what I mean, like energetically bland, like there's no life force, you can feel it. And it's not a judgment. It's sometimes you want that thing like, okay, I'm going to have a lot of nothing right now. And it's fine, you know, but it's, it's good to gauge it to kind of be like, this is not going to give me a lot today, but I'm craving it. Okay. There's a nurturing story. there. Right. No shame about the choice you make, but just awareness. It's awareness. And then when you're aware, you realize I don't feel so great on that thing. Well, that was fun for a moment, you know? And then you play another playground. You're like, I think I'll have some of the brighter fruits over here. Vegetables are like you said, I love sugar. I learned to become friends with sugar. I mean, we're still working on stuff out. It's kind of like the bestie that comes over every night. I probably need a little bit of a breather, but I love her. (laughs) We've become friends. Releasing the shame and saying, this is okay. It's like, oh, yay. Like, we can stay friends and I don't need you all the time, but it's so nice that I can have you when I want it. I know for myself, I had this moment too, because I've always had my, my biggest craving has been cookies. And for so long, I was like, I, if I craved a cookie, I was like, no, you can't have cookies. Like that's bad. You can't have cookies. That's bad. And then one day I was like, but I like cookies. Like why, why is this, why am I making this wrong? The thought is if I eat this, I'm, I did something bad and I'm going to gain weight or the thought is this is unhealthy and I'm trying to be healthy. So under this umbrella of what's healthy look like, I shame myself for not eating something healthy. And what I really am feeling you really touch on and what I've started to really learn is it's, it's not what you eat, it's how you eat it. Mm-hmm. And, and that that the energetics of it, are you eating it in joy and in bliss and in permission? Or are you eating something in shame and in guilt because the frequencies are going to really impact your experience and probably how the body responds? Right. We have the physical body, the emotional, and the mental. There's also a spiritual body, but the emotional body rules the physical body way more than the mental. 
So we have to understand that as soon as you can switch the frequency of an emotion to go through your body as bliss, it actually affects the physical body way more than what the mental mind would say, or even what you're physically pulling in. So if you were to, no, don't get me wrong, you, know, you want to eat ice cream all day long, you probably feel pretty poorly, even though your frequency is like this, but you can get away with it for a while, if I'm honest. If you use the idea that whatever frequency you're feeling, imparted in that food you're eating is going to have a higher impact on you than whatever is nutritionally in that food. Now, the, the secret magic place is to find both, right? Where like there is a food you love and it's nutritionally sound and it's grounding, it's loaded with minerals and all that fun stuff, right? But really the first thing to note is, okay, what kind of frequency note do I have in my body as I'm eating this? What mental thought, which is creating an emotion, not just the mental thought, but what emotion am I emitting from this? And that's going to create a magnetism to you and this food becoming friends. And in that friendship, there's alchemy. Like how you both sort of harmonize together. Instead of restrict and, and, and really what you're doing is keeping people out of your party, right? Like if we go back to the analogy of the party is like, well, I invited you because I think you should be here or I feel ashamed that you're here, but really not friends. Well, of course, that's not going to be a good relationship, right? So it's, it is creating that kismet magnetism because like attracts like. Right. So if you're in a state of bliss connected to that food you're eating, then you become one, you merge, and then there's no resistance in the body. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I'm wondering what you would say to someone. I'm just thinking of so many of the women I work with who have this fear, though, that, but then I won't lose weight. Or, but if I invite all of these foods I love to the party, I'm just going to overeat. And, and it's like this fear, and we know it's irrational, but like that I will just continue to gain weight, gain weight, gain weight, and be, continue to be miserable. Well, the answer to that is sometimes at first you do because you're sorting out these new friendships. You're, and like I'll use just use that analogy because we'll keep going with it, but you'll retract and you won't trust and you won't know because you're unlearning an old habit that's been yeah. there. Usually my experience is I did at the beginning kind of gain a little bit of weight and I started to just keep trusting it because I felt good. And that was more important to me at that time. It was starting to shift into like, but I feel better. Okay. I'm going to go this way, you know, and then eventually it evens out. It's a very interesting thing that occurs that it's like this slow spiral of healing. And that's actually usually the most, um, I say it's the most effective healing is when it's a slow spiral up, you know, versus like straight up, like I eat healthy overnight. It doesn't really work. So it's this very gradual dance that you're doing. And so at first you will at times, and then it's this trust in self and that's in the solar plexus. And that's where the tummy lives actually is right there in the solar plexus. And that's the area of trust, of self-trust and confidence and will not willpower. And like we think of like, I won't eat this willpower is and you have the will to attract anything you like and so it's trusting that muscle you know and trusting the chance that nothing's permanent nothing is permanent and that's the exciting part about life it's like okay you gain a little weight amazing got a little bit more for you to love on there at that time and also more for you to dance on within yourself and then you'll notice weirdly at least what's happened for me with clients and clients is just there's this gradual effect that happens where they're just like i don't think of food all day long that's the first thing they'll say this is really weird i don't think about it and i'm like mm -hmm. and that's the first kind of thing that you'll they'll notice 
And then it's like, I'm starting to gravitate toward things I loved as a kid. I'm like, yes. And then like, I'm starting to be pulled to these things that are colorful. I'm like, mm-hmm. And then slowly, like, I'm starting to like myself. That's when you know, oh, we've just hit a frequency level here where this is about to take off then. And that's kind of like, I'm looking for those things without telling them. And they'll start coming to me and saying that. That's when I know there's like, okay, so we've got movement. Yeah. And, and the liking self and arriving to that place is not conditional. It's not, I'm liking myself because I'm finally at my goal weight. It's, it's a liking of self free from those mental beliefs that you had set of this is what I believe I need to accomplish or how I need to look in order to like myself. It's actually the inside out approach of, ah, as I start to like <laughs> release the shame and trust myself, and learn to really open my heart and find that love and compassion for self again. It ripples out and it impacts the food, it impacts the body, and those things don't even matter anymore. (laughs) When you start to see everything as energy, food or people, energy is just, um, it's magnetic. So when you stop playing small and being constricted, which is what restricting calories does, it restricts you, you, you get tiny, even in the energy field. And so even if you were thin, there's not necessarily a radiance there that's felt. Not only do we not feel it, but other people don't sense it. So you, then you wonder, why don't people see me? I got to my goal weight, but I don't feel very good. Whereas like, have you ever seen people where you look at them and you're like, they're a little overweight, but man, they seem so happy and everyone's in love with them. And you're like, what the heck? And it's because there's a radiance of frequency. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was my thinnest, which was 95 pounds, I was my most sick and unhealthy. So I always tell people thinner, is not happier. Like that is a, not the the recipe and the formula for happiness. It's just never going to satisfy the the needs of the soul and our inner selves. So I have one final question because you're talking about trust and, and the solar plexus and the important piece of trust. And I know for myself, that was the hardest part for me to get to because I had broken my self-trust so many times because I had made promises to myself. I'm never going to binge or purge again. I'm never going to hurt myself again. And I would continue to do it. And so I felt like I couldn't trust myself or my body because there was a period of time where my body was telling me to binge and purge. Like those were the cues I was trying to like fight. And so repairing the ability to trust self felt to me like one of the most important parts of my healing journey, but also one of the most difficult parts. And so I'm curious if you have any thoughts on, on the repairing trust part of one's healing journey. So uh, the solar plexus to give a color that's really helpful for visual people is yellow, bright yellow, like the sun. And so it's a really nice thing to do. Breathe into that space. Most of the time with self-trust that's been closed down. And so breathing yellow out from the front of the body, right between the rib cage and the back of the body as well. We we don't want to forget the back because the back is your past where you've come from. So it's breathing that out, just like sunshine, three breaths, you know, and then it's placing your hand on that area. Again, it's you heal yourself. So you place your hand there. It's a flashlight signaling to that space. And then again, we don't want to avoid that we distrust ourselves. That's the change loop, right? It's like, okay, well, I haven't trusted myself. I don't really trust myself. Just say that out loud. And then it kind of dispels the tightness that's there. Keep in mind, the solar plexus is also where the tummy is. So it makes sense. And in Chinese medicine, the tummy is about timing. 
So we get perfectionistic about the time and it has to be now. And this is like, and if we don't, then I can't trust myself or other people. Oh my gosh, you know? So what I say a lot of times is I place my hand there. If you want a visual, do the yellow. I breathe a few times and I just say, I trust myself. It's like that second arrow. It's taking the second arrow out of blaming yourself for not trusting yourself. So I could trust myself to trust myself. And then what I do is any time you have a moment where you do trust yourself, any tiny moment where you're proud of yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I trusted myself there. That's my intuition. And by the way, intuition lives in the solar plexus. Makes sense. It's like, oh, I knew that. Anytime you do that, put your hand there and say, thank you. So you're signaling like an anchor to your body that you're getting it helps you to move along, to keep trusting yourself. Because if you want to jump from zero to 10, we, you know how that works. It doesn't, it doesn't really work very fast, right? but it helps accelerate maybe the repatterning or the strengthening of this trust muscle or intuition muscle. When we really like are present to the moments where it's occurring. Yes, that's right. Like it's like if you feel a sign from the universe or from guides, you get that euphoria or the chills or whatever. That's the moment to say, thank you. I felt that more please. And you can actually ask for more. So you can take your hand there and you felt it. I trusted that intuition in that moment. More of this, please, you know, more please. And that really helps like signal to your body. You're getting it. You're like this, you got it. Cheerleader. You have, you're your own cheerleader, you know, just like you're your own demise. (laughs) So that, those are the tools I use or EFT, like you do really helpful for that sort of repatterning. Right. Because what's happening, we're accepting first what is, even though I don't trust myself, I still love and accept myself. And both can exist that I have this part that's struggling with something. And sometimes I I have my clients say, I'm learning to love and accept myself, or I'm learning how to trust myself. Because if you're not there yet, it can feel like a jump. And then we get to just give you the permission of, oh, I'm in the journey. I'm in the process of getting there. And that, that can help lift that shame pattern that we can get stuck in. We're on the point of duality. So we actually need to have what we don't want a lot of times to really know what we do. We came to learn both sides. So it's kind of fun to know that. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for, for your time today. I've loved this conversation and I love you so much. How can people get in touch with you or um, you're in Kansas City, but I know you also have some virtual offerings coming up. So please share whatever is is on the horizon that people could could look into joining you to, to participate in your medicine or to just stay connected to you. Uh, so you can find me on my website simplest way is christymarshwellness.com and then instagram i am christy marsh is on there and then um the virtual classes right now we're working on virtual classes so it's not quite class is not there but i am doing sessions virtually that will be getting started in september and so you can do i do a mixture of reiki nutrition is there herbs that we're now kind of kicking in but mostly people uh, book with spirit guide connecting connection and Reiki together. And I can do all of that through zoom. And so we're starting to have that available on my website in September. You can book that if you like, and then uh, classes. If you come to Kansas city, I'd really love to have you. We do some more. I'm doing a class on the crystal chakra connection. Just like I was talking earlier about the different emotions that live in each chakra, really powerful to know how to breathe with that, how to move with that. You don't have to be trained in Reiki to do it. And then of course, Reiki is a big, passion. So I'll be teaching that one in November, the weekend of November. If anyone wants to come in, I would gladly have you. 
that's kind of like what's on the horizon. You'll find most of the offerings on the website. Great. Well, I'll include those links in the show notes so that people can find you. And I highly, highly encourage anyone listening to to definitely connect with Chrissy because she's just an incredible, incredible human. So I'm so grateful that I get to walk walk this journey with you in this lifetime. Thank you. So appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for tuning in to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to follow the show so you don't miss future episodes. And if you loved it, then please share this episode on your social media or send it to loved ones who may benefit from listening too.